Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we ask whether African football would be better with no relegation. We hear from Orlando City FC in the US Major League Soccer. This a franchise set up with no relegation and no promotion. The idea of having no relegation is because clubs invest a lot in stadiums and players and the prospect of getting relegated soon after setting up a club in the US would deter potential owners. Kind of an unbalanced system because you can do well and win, but if you do poorly, you don't necessarily lose. Every season is a, is a fresh start. That's coming a bit later, and also Stuart looks at the final placings in the English Premier League as Liverpool took third place. Well, the 2021 Africa Beach Soccer Cup of Nations is on this week in Senegal. Final being played on Saturday. Semi-final lineup is Senegal against Morocco and Mozambique playing Uganda. And the African Super Cup is on Friday, so it may have been played already, depending which day you're listening to the show. Champions League holders Al-Atli of Egypt facing Confederation Cup winners R.S. Bakan of Morocco. Game being played in Doha in Qatar, uh, somewhat controversially outside of the African continent. Now, the General Secretary of the Confederation of African Football has revealed plans to decentralize football administration on the continent. Viron Masenga Omba says talks are underway between CAF and FIFA to directly finance some of the activities of the zonal bodies instead of routing support through CAF. He says that devolving more powers to the zonal unions will help accelerate football development in Africa. So in West Africa, there's Wafu. We have Kasafa here for Southern Africa in this part of the world, which is certainly very active. And you're in Sekafa, Ida, for East Africa. Uh, so would giving these zones across Africa more power help with development? Well, it's important to first analyze the reason behind this decision, Steve. I mean, it's reported that the idea was made by Veron Musengo Omba, and that was done when he was still at FIFA. Now, that's about five years ago, and back then he served as a chief member associations officer that was for Africa and for the Caribbean as well. Now, with that said, Steve, the alleged corruption at CAF, at least to me, might have made such a decision easier. Hear me out. <laughs> you know, to simply eliminate, if you will, that middleman role that CAF has always played. Of course, despite the corruption allegedly having happened with the previous administration and not this, but nonetheless, Steve, CAF really has to rebuild its trust and its reputation. And such moves may go a long way in that regard. First off, I would imagine that processes that involve disbursement of money at any level and anywhere, Steve, are lengthy. That's just how it's always been. And I fail to see how this would be different at a huge continental organization like CAF. So if we look at it strictly from this angle, then look, definitely, it does make the entire process much more direct, therefore much more efficient in an ideal setting. Asterix on ideal setting. <laughs> but with that being the case, then will other continental bodies come in? 
asking for the same to happen in their regions. Plus, let's not also forget, Steve, that FIFA has already decentralized funds to the most basic of levels. Now, it's been doing this actually for quite a few years now through the FIFA Forward program. Now, this initiative literally disperses funds to member associations who have met specific criteria. So not even to the regional associations, but to the countries or to the nationalities themselves. Now, top of this criteria is accountability. An MA, Steve, literally has to show how it spent the last cycle of funds before getting another one. And despite this, you know, there have been cases of corruption alleged in specific countries, one of which is Kenya, throughout the years. So this planned disbursement between CAF, FIFA and the regional bodies within the continent, Steve, needs to close down on possible loopholes for fraud, possible loopholes for corruption. Because look, unfortunately, that is the continent within which we live. So these plans between CAF and FIFA were unveiled at the 14th General Assembly that was of the West African Football Union in Accra. So, Steve, maybe by the next General Assembly in Burkina Faso, maybe we'll have more details. Yes, we'll be following this one here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Thanks, Ida, and do stay with us. Now, with last month's controversy over the launch of the European Super League, with 12 top clubs taking part, with nine of them then pulling out just a few days later, we still may not have seen the end of the project. Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus still insisting that it's alive still. And also the idea of an African Super League is still there, with FIFA president Gianni Infantino last year speaking of plans to start an African Super League. As we discussed recently on the show, 20 or 24 top clubs would pay $20 million a year to take part uh, with great revenue anticipated. And with the proposed African Super League and the European Super League, if it were to start, there would be no relegation and no promotion. And that's our focus on the show today. Now, this is the case in the USA with so-called franchise sports. So the Major League Soccer and the NBA in basketball and other top sports in the U.S. have franchises and their leagues have no relegation and no promotion. Now, Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard spoke to Andy Searles in the U.S. He's a fan and club chaplain at Orlando City in the Major League Soccer, where, as I say, there's no relegation. And Andy's from the UK where he supports Ipswich Town, a smaller club that's been in the English top flight before but has spent more time in the lower divisions fighting for promotion. Well, Adrian asked Andy how the system works in the US Major League Soccer for the clubs and for the fans too, knowing that there's no relegation. Well, the ambition for every season is to win, obviously, but it's kind of an unbalanced system because you can do well and win but if you do poorly you don't necessarily lose every season is a is a fresh start and i think that part of the reason that that helps football soccer in america is because of the infancy of the league uh the league just celebrated their 26th anniversary, you know, which when you compare it to, um, you know, some of the leagues in England, I mean, it's, it's but a drop in, in the ocean. And one of the challenges that soccer has in the U.S. is it's like the third or fourth ranked sport. 
So there's lots of competition and there's lots of opportunity for failure. And soccer as a league has, has failed numerous times in the past. So as they were starting, I think one of the questions they said was, how do we create something that sustains, that um, puts soccer on the sporting map in a legitimate way? Um, no other American sports have relegation. And for a team that was investing millions to join the league, to be relegated from the league was not an attractive proposition because to leave MLS, when that's really the only league, would lead you to obscurity. So, for instance, in Orlando, I believe there's a 70 million franchise fee. We built uh, a new stadium for 150 million. And if we had a bad season and were to get relegated, well, basically, the owner has just kind of lost you know, $220 million. And when you're trying to start, maintain and sustain and grow something, having the threat of your teams leaving would prove very, very costly and hard to attract new teams. Well, you're originally from England and you support Ipswich Town, a club which has got a great pedigree, has actually spent five seasons in the English Premier League and way back in the 80s even won the the UEFA Cup. So how does it compare then being a fan of Ipswich Town where, of course, promotion and relegation is very much part of the bread and butter for Ipswich Town with being a fan and supporter of Orlando City where there is no relegation. And I understand everything you've said about the sustainability and the financial model. But from the fans' perspective, you, know, you can win, but there's nothing to lose. So it hasn't got the same edge, has it? <laughs> no, I mean, it. you know, it, it, it doesn't. I mean, you finish bottom of the league, you know, you probably get rid of your manager, you get rid of some players. But basically, you, you just kind of press the reset button, right? It's like playing one of the video games. Then if you lose the game, you can just reset and start again next year. Um, whereas in England, obviously, that's a, a little harder. And therefore, the pain hurts a little deeper um, because there is a cost, uh, a very real tangible cost you know, to losing and not not playing well and building a big club and those kind of things. Obviously, as an Ipswich fan right now, I'm more a fan of promotion uh, than relegation because we've kind of been lingering in the top half of the league. And as we look to next season with new owner, new manager, probably a lot of new players, uh, I'm going to be focusing more on the promotion side of things. And that brings a, a, a deep joy. But part of following our sport is to realize the other side of that coin, that there can be a deep loss and a deep sadness if your team goes goes down. So perhaps you could say that the promotion relegation system does actually put you on a uh, deeper, um, broader, uh, more emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and uh, we said that Ipswich had five seasons in the English Premier League. They're currently in League One, which is the third tier of English football. Um, now, we've got many current EPL players who came out strongly against the proposals for the European Super League. But to be fair, many former EPL players have uh, gone on towards the end of their careers to the MLS What's the attraction for them? Is it just going for the money? Um, I, I think money is probably a little part of it. But honestly, comparatively, I, I don't think the money's that great, um, you know, compared with what you get in a first or second division team. Um, I think there's a lifestyle that's very different. I think there's a style of play that's very different. Um, it's very fast paced, very high energy, um, but perhaps it's not as, as rough 
you know, obviously, other than some notable exceptions. So it's not a bad way to end your career in a, you know, a, a, a beautiful, uh, certainly in, in terms of coming to Florida, sunshiny environment. So there's a lot of attraction there, I think. And one of the players you've got with you at Orlando City at the moment is one that many of us will be familiar with, uh, Nani, the former Portuguese international who, of course, had uh, time with Manchester United, Valencia, Sporting Lisbon, just to name but three clubs. He's now 34. So what does a player like Nani bring to the team and bring to the club? Yeah, I mean, Nani brings a lot to us. I mean, obviously, you know, he's a very skilled player still. He comes with a lot of fight and determination because of his you know, background. Uh, he's in a stage of his career now where he wants to invest in a younger generation and make some legacy moves. And uh, Orlando offers all of that. You know, as I've been around a lot of locker rooms over the years, Adrian, it, it almost seems you can put players into three categories in terms of, of who they're playing for. You know, you know, when you're kind of like, you know, 16 to 22 and you're, you're trying to make it, you're playing for yourself. You're playing for, for me. But you realize that if I'm just playing for me at some stage, sooner or later, I'm going to cap out. And if I want to get better, I need to lean into and lean on my teammates and start playing for us. But then towards the end of the career, there's something that happens in players. And I think Nani has made this shift. You don't play for yourself. You don't play just for us. You play for them because you want to make them better and you want to set them up for success. So I think one of the attractions for Nani uh, being here in Orlando is that he gets to build something. He gets to create and leave a legacy. He gets to uh, invest in players that will still be playing 15 years from now. So it just seems to have worked very well for him. That's a good word you use there, Andy. Legacy, another player that we would be very familiar with, uh, the Brazilian icon Kaká, who was, I think, World Player of the Year in 2007. He spent some time with you at Orlando City. What was his legacy and what is the continuing legacy of his time with you? Yeah, I mean, there, there are two ways to kind of answer that. Uh, you know, his professional legacy on the field, um, you know, he came to us and played three years when we were just starting and no one had heard of us until Kaká came and then he came and he brought his 30 million social media followers, you know, with him. And all of a sudden we were a reputable brand. Uh, he obviously bought some great skill on the field that lifted our team, lifted his teammates and really um, he was here at a crucial time in our development. So his legacy, I think, professionally, is that he put us on the map and he, he built a good foundation and he pointed us in the right direction. Um, personally, the legacy that Kaká leaves with me is one of deep faith. Uh, I was honored and, and privileged to, to get to know Kaká very well and we're still in touch to this day. We communicate pretty frequently on, on WhatsApp. Um, but his, his faith, his integrity, uh, his commitment to the game just for love and his desire to give back to it is incredibly honorable. And I think models for people like Nani and uh, Pato, who's with us now, who are perhaps in the twilight of their career, that, 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 that you've received so much from the game 
And now is a time to give back to the game and invest in future generations so that hopefully many others can uh, receive some of the blessings that you have from it. Well, speaking from the USA, that's Andy Searles, club chaplain at Orlando City in the Major League Soccer, speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Uh, so Andy says that having a league with no relegation has benefits as clubs invest a lot in stadiums and players and to get relegated soon after setting up the club would deter potential owners from starting out. Uh, so that system of no relegation helps to develop football, he says. Uh, well, I must say, I kind of get his point there, Ida. And certainly here in Zimbabwe, there are so many clubs that have come and gone. Uh, they've won promotion but got relegated before they could really establish themselves. And on the other hand, we've seen so many clubs get promoted, but they don't have good enough structures and finances and get relegated after a season or two. Uh, so is there a case for no relegation or little relegation maybe in African leagues, Ida? First of all, Steve, can I just say what a brilliant, insightful conversation. And based on this, then yes, there is definitely a case for why no promotion or relegation can suit the African context. Steve, more and more, the proposed African Super League is looking like it's modeled on an American format, and especially after this discussion. Even similar with the amount of money to be invested at the initial stage. But Steve, once again, I ask the question, which African club has 20 odd million dollars just lying around, <laughs> you know, to invest in a Super League, even the clubs that are well to do in the continent? And of course, as Adrian has put it to Andy, what happens to that competitive element? Because that same competition that can be so detrimental to some is what's made the English Premier League, for example, what it is, that thrill of that competition. And finally, Steve, an important part of franchise sport that hasn't been mentioned that can be a bit of a downer, unfortunately, is the moving of franchises to different cities. That's how in American sports you can find the, let's say, the Buffalo Braves, let's say, moving to Florida. <laughs> Steve, you can't imagine, I'm sure, Tottenham Hotspur moving to Liverpool, can you? <laughs> so it's usually a very contentious and frankly confusing issue and especially if you're used to the European way of sport. So while I'm sure that would be a very, very far off scenario, if any, franchise sport or facets of franchise sport is definitely something that needs proper understanding before moving ahead with such a huge plan. Yes, yeah, so lots of issues there on uh, various levels. Uh, thanks, Ida. Asking for your views on this on social media this week. Are you in favour of having no relegation and no promotion? Uh, so we heard earlier that having a league with no relegation has some benefits as clubs invest in stadiums and players and the prospect of getting relegated soon after setting up a club would deter potential owners and therefore would hinder the development of football. Well, in African leagues, it's common to see clubs getting promoted but then being relegated after a season or two as maybe they don't have good enough structures and finances. Uh, so are you in favour of having no relegation or having fewer clubs relegated 
or is promotion and relegation part of what football is all about? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, a Stuart on the final standings in the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. Well, to social media now, and last week we asked her, which player would you like your club to sign? As the European leagues ended last weekend, we asked you to tell us, what's your favourite club? Which player would you like your club to sign ahead of next season? With your views, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, uh, Steve. And we start on Facebook. And uh, Job Barasa in Kenya says, I'm a Manchester United fan and I'd like us to sign Erling Haaland and uh, Jadon Sancho from Borussia Dortmund and Khalidou Koulibaly from Napoli. And Kofi Golden in Ghana says, I support Barcelona and I want us to sign Harry Kane from Tottenham. Uh, to WhatsApp now, and uh, Saidu Tamba in the Gambia says, I'm a diehard Liverpool fan. Ibrahima Konate of RB Leipzig would be a good addition, but I'd like to see us sign Son Hang Min of Tottenham. I believe if Liverpool wants to challenge for the league, they need a world-class player like Son, says Saidu. Abragali in Nigeria is also a Red supporter. I'd like Liverpool to sign Kylian Mbappe, says Bragali. And uh, Amadou Baji in the Gambia agrees. Another Liverpool fan, Peter in Kenya, says, I'd like us to sign Jadon Sancho from the Bundesliga. While Lamin Jaite in the Gambia says, as a Liverpool fan, I'd like us to sign Isco from Real Madrid, Ibrahim Konate from RB Leipzig, and Julian Draxler from PSG. And Lamine continues, I'd also like us to re-sign Luis Suarez from Atletico Madrid. And we also welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And here's Kitengeja Godfrey in Uganda. I'm a fan of Manchester United, so I would like to see Aguero in Manchester United. He's still performing well. Maybe if we fail that one, we may bring in Hurricane partner with Cavani. Daniel in Nigeria agrees. I'm a Manchester United fan and I'd like us to sign Harry Kane, says Daniel. And it's uh, clear the Tottenham striker is uh, very popular with Manchester United fans this week. Nuhu Sanyang is in the Gambia. My favourite team is Manchester United, says Nuhu. And uh, the two players I want them to sign are Harry Kane and the Real Madrid centre-back Rafael Varane. Uh, because at the back we need to conserve goals in any game and this past season the attacking is always on and off. And it's not just uh, Manchester United fans who admire the Tottenham and England striker. Emma in the Gambia says, I'm a big fan of Chelsea and the only department Chelsea need to fill for next season is a goal finisher and I believe Harry Kane will be the best option for Chelsea. Philip, also in the Gambia, is a Manchester City supporter, and despite City's recent success winning the English Premier League title, he thinks they're going to need to consolidate their squad. I think we're going to need to sign Erling Haaland, says Philip, which would further boost their existing arsenal of top strikers. 
And moving away from the English Premier League to the Spanish La Liga, here's Lawrence Mendy in the Gambia. My favourite club is Real Madrid, says Lawrence, and I would like my club to sign Kylian Mbappe from PSG. I believe that he can bring a lot of improvement for the club, and now is the right time for him to take a new step in his career. And here's another voice note, uh, this time from Michael Mboka in the Gambia. My team is Barcelona, and we have problem with our defense system. So I was thinking they should at least try to pursue Napoli's defender, Senegalese international, Kalilu. Yes, Kalilu does it best, knows the, the area very, very well. And also Carl Walker, Carl Walker, Manchester City. For the strikers, it will be very good for us to also pursue Halan of Dortmund because he knows how to score very well. And meanwhile, Saiku also in the Gambia says, My club is Atletico Bilbao and I would like my club to sign a big star like Kun Aguero, Moise Kin or even Kylian Mbappe. So then, uh, Steve, uh, quite a selection of uh, top players on the wish list of our correspondents this week. But perhaps uh, not surprising to hear the same three names being mentioned. That is Harry Kane, Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Interesting to hear those wish lists. It does look like Harry Kane will be moving at this stage anyway. I wonder if Haaland and Mbappe will end up joining new clubs. Let's talk more European football now. And, uh, wow, so tough for Manchester United fans losing the Europa League final 11-10 on penalties to Villarreal in that incredible shootout. So difficult way to end the season for Manchester United supporters. Well, let's go to Stuart Weir in the UK and drama two on the final day of the Premier League. Liverpool taking third, Leicester ending in fifth and missing out again on a Champions League place, Stuart. It ended with Liverpool and Chelsea getting the Champions League places. And poor old Leicester City, despite being in the top four, 242 days again missed out on participation in the Champions League next season. Leicester felt aggrieved about two of Tottenham's goals, possibly a foul on Schmeichel, and for another of the goals, the ball clearly struck Harry Kane's hand before being passed to Gareth Bale, who scored. But VAR apparently could not review it because it was not directly before the goal. What a nonsense we have made of handball. Now, Liverpool beat Crystal Palace through two goals from Sergio Mane. Now, no surprise there, because Mane has played against Palace 13 times and scored 12 goals against the Eagles. Manchester City beat Everton 5-0, with Sergio Aguero scoring two goals on his last ever game for City. Everton, beaten 5-0, finished 10th after being second at Christmas. And Manchester United won at Wolves to complete a season without losing an away game. And the 19-year-old Anthony Erlanger, whose father played for Cameroon, scored for United. But we now know that Leicester City and West Ham will be in the Europa League next season, while Tottenham will play in the new Europa Conference League competition. Just to round off some other things about the season, Ederson of Manchester City won the Golden Gloves with 18 clean sheets. Harry Kane, the golden boot, 23 league goals, with Mo Salah, one goal behind him. And interestingly, as well as being the top scorer, Kane also had most Premier League assists during the season. 
A strange statistic is that Manchester United's Bruno Fernandes created the most chances during the season, 95, but only had 12 assists. That means he must have created 83 chances, which his teammates missed. Oh, dear. Then there are six players who played every minute of every Premier League game for their club. James Ward-Prowse, Southampton, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, Tottenham, and four goalkeepers, Schmeichel for Leicester, Ramsdale, Sheffield United, Lochis, Tottenham, and Martinez, Aston Villa. And incidentally, Hoiberg also committed the most fouls in the season, 69, but I suppose he had more time to commit them than anyone else. Jack Grealish was the most fouled player, 110 fouls against him. And as we've mentioned before, 51% of games ended in an away win more than ever. I know you love this one, Steve, but VAR intervention led to 116 decisions being changed, 38 goals were disallowed, and only 7 disallowed goals reinstated, 29 penalties awarded and 21 cancelled, 17 red cards were awarded only after VAR's intervention, and Lewis Dunk of Brighton is the only player to get two red cards during the season. Finally, Steve, do you know what the difference between Brighton and Hove Albion and Real Madrid is? Well, the answer is that only one of them has a player in the Spanish squad for the European Championships, Robert Sanchez of Brighton. <laughs> That's a good one. And the European Championships starting on the 11th of next month. Thanks a lot, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.